Sage is fighting the fight. He has fought cities. He has fought counties. Politicians. Naysayers. Hell, he's even fought mayors. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide. And all other things considered homeless? Yes. Broadcasting live from your Alexa device, the Radio Free Network app, iOS, WMBU.org, Many Voices United, and the RadioFreeNetwork.com. And now, from some wooded area in Akron, Ohio, here is Sage the Rage Lewis. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Sage coming to you from the Radio Free Entertainment and WMBU.org. Many voices united. They're letting me talk about homelessness. It's like the greatest thing ever. It's so awesome. Thank you, WMVU. Um, we got somebody's got to talk about homelessness. I mean, presidents don't really talk about homelessness. I don't know if you know or anything, but there's a presidential election going on in um, Amer- America. Vote, everybody. Uh, if you're going to vote on homeless issues, I got nothing for you. They're homeless people. I mean, I will say that Donald Trump has at least talked about homeless people um, for a while. Um, The director of HUD, uh, Carson, his name, Carson, you know, the doctor that became an expert on housing. Yeah, Ben Carson. That's the guy. So he uh, he was talking about homelessness for a while. Uh, and in fact, here in February of 2020, Secretary Ben Carson delivers keynote address at Schwarzenegger's Homelessness Summit. Uh, Los Angeles U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson today visited Los Angeles as part of his Driving Affordable Housing Across America bus tour. Secretary Carson gave a keynote addressed at Unhoused, addressing homelessness in California summit. Hosted in partnership with the University of Southern California Schwarzenegger Institute, the summit brought together leading academics, politicians, blah, 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 blah. blah. Here's some uh aspects of it housing prices have risen to a level that there are those in the workforce who maintain a job but still cannot afford a place to call home so that is true right even welcome to my home studio by the way if you can hear the dogs it's just the way it is it's it's covid-19 and uh i actually have an office Believe it or not, I own an office building, <laughs> but it's all the way across town. I mean, I'm a sitting here in my blankie in my house. I got my tea. My family's all around me. Uh, who wants to go to the office? <laughs> I go later on in the day sometimes. Uh, um, 
Even in the midst of an economic renaissance, an economic renaissance, many of our nation's teachers, nurses, police officers, and firefighters struggle, and in some cases, simply cannot afford to live in or around the communities they serve. This is a trend we must bring to an end. So um, I get why liberals hate Donald Trump. Um, I totally understand it. But when hatred clouds everything, you become just as much a part of the problem as the thing you're trying to end. And to disavow Donald Trump by saying he's totally worthless, um, not great. I mean, even so it's Friday. I, I record this on Friday. You hear this on Saturday. Uh, there were the, the dueling banjos of <laughs> town halls last night. And uh, even Joe Biden said he gave credit to Donald Trump for his work in uh, Israel. You know, so you, we, we need, we, we all need to practice um, blind, uh, removing blind hatred from our lives. Um, and homeless people are a great way to um, experiment with that because so many people hate them without knowing them. And, uh, you know, Ben Carson here is saying some really powerful things about homelessness that you simply, you know, have to acknowledge. Uh, thank you to each of the advocates. Okay. Is that really, I'm confident that with our efforts combined and our voices together, we can help unhoused Americans forge their own futures and achieve a life of dignity, upward mobility and self-sufficiency. Okay. Um, see now here are some problems. So self-sufficiency totally can get behind, but upward mobility and dignity, uh, who decides, who decides dignity, who decides when you have reached a life of dignity? I mean, there have been many great people in the world who have lived lives of poverty and would you suggest that they were not leading a life of dignity uh, buddha comes to mind uh jesus comes to mind <laughs> um many people have uh, monks come to mind vowing a life of poverty. So uh, a rich Republican saying that they would like you to live a life of dignity is a little precarious. Don't know exactly what you're talking about there. Uh, we might not all become millionaire doctors that then get to be the director of HUD. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean we don't have a life of dignity. I don't know. Did Jesus have dignity? Would you say Jesus lead led a dignified life? I mean, you know, kind of a scrounger, <laughs> dirty, smelly hippie. To bet he didn't bathe all that often. I don't know. Maybe he was into bathing. I don't really know. Whatever. Some people are into things. I know homeless people that I know a homeless guy who walks out of his tent with everything pressed. His shirt is pressed. His pants are pressed. I don't even know how he does it. All I know is I have seen him in the morning walk out of a tent looking like he came out of like like a department store. He just likes to look good. Just likes to look good. Is that all we need? Is that it? If uh, you press your pants, you are then dignified. Uh, But self-sufficiency totally can get behind, totally get behind. And uh, self-sufficiency in a world, in a country where you can't afford to live is um, challenging, which I think then leads to lower dignity and self-respect. How many people can afford housing in America? Asking the Google. Okay. Uh, Here, let's just take CBS News. Americans, average Americans can't afford a home in 70%. That's almost 75%, which is three quarters. I don't know how much 70. Okay. Okay. Even with rising wages and falling mortgage rates, Americans can't afford a home in more than 70% of the country. Out of the 473 U.S. counties analyzed in a report, 335 listed median home prices more than what average wage earners could afford. According to a report from Adam or ATTOM Data Solutions, among them are the counties that include... <clears throat> bum, bum, bum. Los Angeles, San Diego, as well as Miami-Dade County in Florida and Maricopa County in Arizona. Maricopa getting a call out on lack of affordability. Not usual, not usually happening. New York City claimed the largest share of a person's income to purchase a home, according to a report. I would have guessed San Francisco. While average earners nationwide need to spend only about one third of their income on a home. Residents in Brooklyn must uh, residents in Brooklyn and Manhattan must shell out more than 115% of their income. Holy cow. <laughs> Wait a second. That's more than their income. Brooklyn and Manhattan has to spend over their income just on housing. San Francisco is a steal at only 103% of their income. Uh, Hawaii, Maui County. A mere 101% of their income. (laughs) It's all moved to Hawaii, people. It's so affordable. Only 101%. I mean, you could probably 
Maybe even find the 1% laying on the street if you really work hard. Homes were found to be affordable in, affordable in Chicago, Cleveland, Houston, Detroit, and Philadelphia. Oh, really? They were, were they? Could talk about that. Edging towards about, uh, broadly speaking, homes are more affordable today than they were a, one year ago, though. While home prices are still rising in many areas, they're also falling in others. Unaffordability, unaffordability in the market has been the result of slower home building and homeowners staying put longer. Both trends have reduced the supply of home for sale in the market. Uh, yeah, so there you go. All right. Let me... Let's talk about Cleveland. I'm out of Akron. So Cleveland's about 30, 40 miles um, north of us. Let's do this. What is the median income in Cleveland, Ohio? Okay. Uh, What do you like? What do you like? What do you like? Okay. Um, Household income in the United States. Let's do it this way. The household median income in the United States, $57,652. Just let's just remember 57,000, okay? Median household income in Cleveland, 27,8. We'll call it 28,000. You see the difference between 57,000 and 28,000? Do you can you see the difference? Okay, just remember this. Uh, family median income, 70,000 in the United States, 34,000 in Cleveland. Okay. Okay. Just now put a button in that. What is the average price of rent in Cleveland, Ohio? Okay. Here is rent cafe. I don't know. Google says they're. They're good. Average rent in Cleveland, Ohio, you get a spacious 103, 803 square foot apartment for bump, 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 $1,123 a month. $1,123 a month. Okay. Now let's go back to. We'll take the the higher number, 34,000. Okay. Let's just take 34,000. What is 33% of 34,000? Man, I love Google. 1,100, wait, 11,220. Let's divide that by 12. $748. Okay. If you take that median income, of $34,000, okay, $34,000, 33%, which actually I think is a little high. I think I'm supposed to just do 30%, but whatever. You get $748. Can you, do you see, okay, okay, I know there's a lot of numbers today. I know you probably didn't expect this out of me. I really didn't expect it out of me either. I've only been on like one and a half cups of tea. You should be able to afford on $34,000, okay, on $34,000, which is the median family income in Cleveland, Ohio, $748 for rent. Do you, can you remember that? I can barely remember it. $748, $748. Do you remember what the median rental is? $1,123. Do you see the difference? 
you should be paying $748. You're spending $1,123. And that's not with utilities. Okay? So if you're telling me it's affordable to live in Cleveland, you just say in words, it's not affordable to live anywhere. You want to play another game? My hometown? Here we go. What is the median income in Akron, Ohio? Okay, hold on. Let's find it. Uh, where is it? Come on. Come on, baby. It's the census data. Okay. Here, population. Wow. This is the U.S. Census. They know something. They know things. Uh, oh, it's right at the top. 37,000. Okay, 37,000. All right, 37,000 is the median income. Okay, wait, let me see what census numbers for the median income in Cleveland, Ohio. Let me see what this is, census, census, 29,000. Okay, I, sorry, so you get different numbers. So that's even worse. 29,000 is the median income. So then 29,000. What is 30% of 29,000? The answer is 8,700. You divide that by 12, 725. So I don't know. You pick your numbers. Pick your numbers. <sighs> Look. Median household income, according to the census, is 29000 I should probably go with them. Um, so at any rate, it's not affordable to live anywhere in America, okay? Okay, you take a shit stain like Cleveland and Akron, Ohio, where it should be dirt poor to live, and apartments are like $1,000 a month. Okay, so you <sighs> homelessness is just like the, the, the sand that sifts out, you know, like, okay, you take a sifter at a beach, right? And you scoop up a bunch of sand and stuff and you sift it all through. And what's left on the, on the, on the, on the screen are like the big rocks and shells and stuff. But there's all this sand that fell through, through the, the, the safety net of the sifter. And those are homeless people. And that's because the, the little holes, the little holes don't hold up the homeless people, pieces of sand. Because it's too daggone costly to live in America. Do you understand? Things shake out, okay? There's ramifications. It's like the global warming, okay? Look, how much is global warming increasing? They're going to say like 1%, 0.7. So 
like, okay, it's point. Okay, since since the average rate of increase since uh, 1981 is point three two degrees Fahrenheit uh, per decade. Or yeah, per 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 decade. Per what? Per what? Per what? Per decade. Yeah. Okay. Every decade since 1981, the globe has warmed. Global climate has risen 0.32%. Now you're like, well, who cares? Who cares that that's a stupid number? No. It has wild ramifications for some people and areas. It causes, it causes, you know, the things it causes ice caps to melt. It caught, you can't go to Vienna anymore without wearing galoshes. Just can't got to wear galoshes. Now Vienna, I don't even know if you can go to Vienna. I got to get over there before that place is a swimming pool. Venice. Venice. Thank you. Thank you, honey. Vienna, another place. They have sausages. Venice has little little boats, probably boat right into the stores now. Venice. Thank you, honey. Thank good Lord. Venice. Galoshes in Venice. You know, and other places. The 0.32% fair or 0.32 degrees has wild ramifications. Okay? So... Maybe you can afford $1,100 rent in Cleveland, Ohio, but the median income means that on average, most people can't and below the median income, they are dying. They are leading lives of incredible suffering. Do you understand? The median is just the median. It has wild ramifications above and below. Do you understand? That's why homelessness is an epidemic now, because the cost of living is too expensive in America. That's why we have homelessness at the levels we have it. It's a systemic problem. Do you understand? Homelessness is the product of an unaffordable country. It's not that the homeless are losers. It's that America is too expensive. Do you get it? Do I have to yell this whole time? Because I will. Annoy my family. I mean to yell because I think maybe it'll make you hear it more if I yell. I don't know. I don't know. So anyways, let's go back. Uh, Okay. So here, back to this Ben Carson thing in February. Homelessness is a crisis that must be solved at the national, state, and local level, says University of Southern California Price Dean Jack H. Not. Gives a crap who it is. We are grateful for Secretary Carson's presence, California, as he engages in conversations with people who are seeking to address this complex but critical problem. It's not that complex, people. Housing is too expensive. You need more affordable housing. Easy. It is through multifaceted public and private partnerships that we arrive at a successful solution. I also don't agree. 
private. We don't need public. If you can't solve it, if you cannot solve affordable housing in the private sector, then the private sector is got to change. You can't subsidize your way out of unaffordable housing. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to just start, uh, you know, telling land landlords that you gotta, you gotta rent at 30% of the median income, but don't worry, we'll cut you a check for the other half. No, that's not sustainable. You got to find ways to create housing that fits within the income. Okay. Now you could raise the income. Okay. It's kind of a public private partnership, I suppose. Make the game more fair. Raise the uh, minimum wage. You could do that. <clears throat> but I believe you can make $300 a month all-inclusive uh, housing. I think you can do it. You can do it. Tiny house villages, people. Tiny house villages are the future. They are the future because they fit within the realm of um, what people can afford. The driving affordable housing across America bus tour, not the most, well, it's fine. I guess it's a fine title is a part of the work. Secretary Carson is undertaking as the chair of the white house council on eliminating, eliminating regulatory barriers to affordable housing established in 2019. The council's eight federal member agencies are engaging with governments at all levels and private sector and nonprofit stakeholders on ways to increase the country's housing supply. So more Americans can have affordable housing. All right. And it ran through June 2020. I wonder if it actually did with COVID. Who knows? I don't know. I lost sight of it. Oh, let's go look at his site, Driving Affordable Housing. Let's see. Uh, driving Affordable Housing Across America. Eh, I don't know. It didn't say. Anyways. Um, <clears throat> it's too expensive to live in America, people. It's too expensive. Okay. And that's why we have homeless people. It's not because they're drug addicted losers. It's because they can't afford to live in their own country. Okay. Do you feel me? And then what happens is you get hopelessness that you're like, well, I, I can't afford. There's no job anywhere around me. That's ever going to pay me a wage that allows me to live indoors. So screw it. I'm not going to do any of the jobs. I'm just going to sit around and do drugs and drink and hold a sign. See if people's, you know, um, do you know the invisible people? Do you know the invisible people? YouTube, uh, thingy, <laughs> the invisible people. So, uh, uh, invisible people, hold on. Invisible people is a um, very powerful and valuable YouTube channel um, that does interviews of homeless people. 
And it's been coming up in my feed. I don't know. YouTube just sends me stuff and then I watch it. I don't know. I don't know. It's so weird. I mean, that's how lazy I am. But at any rate, I'm glad because there's some some of these interviews that I haven't watched before. And last night I watched uh, it was a September 9th, 2020 interview of Chad, who was first homeless at nine years old. And it says his mom lost the house they were living in. So they moved into their car after a few years of living between vehicles and homeless shelters with his mother. Chad ended back on the streets at 11 years old. Chad got into trouble and was placed into foster care. Then at 13, he ran away and he's been homeless ever since. He's now 28 and has spending most of his life at being homeless. So, so you look at Chad, right? He's 28 years old. You're, you're on the beach at, in, 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 in sunny California, you walk by Chad with his tattoos. He's actually quite a handsome bloke. Uh, somebody commented on how great his hair is. I don't know if like, that's just his natural hair. Like it's like really incredible. He has really incredible hair. Anyways, <laughs> it just seems like he would have had to spend a lot of money to get highlights like that. But anyways, I digress. You walk by as a tourist in California, you see Chad maybe sleeping on the beach or whatever. And you're like, ah, homeless. And that's what you do. And then you walk by, you walk, you know, and then at dinner, you're like, this place would be great if they just get rid of the homeless. It'd be great. Why can't they just get rid of them? Why can't they just get rid of the homeless? And meanwhile, Chad has been homeless since not being nine years old. And not only that, he has been beaten. He has been raped. He has lived a life of incredible torment. Incredible torment. Um, but we don't see that. We just see Chad. You have a snapshot of Chad as a tourist on, this is Venice beach. And you're just like, ugh, ugh, gross. So gross. Except his highlights, which are just truly incredible. Oh, he doesn't have two front teeth. Do you know why? Uh, because somebody took a baseball bat to his face. He had to actually have reconstructive surgery on him. I think he said 90% of his face. Uh, yeah, that happens. That happens in. Um... So we just judge a person without understanding their backstory. And that's why this series invisible people is so important because if you take a few minutes, you might be like, Oh wow. This, this guy has lived a really, really difficult life. And maybe, um, maybe there are bigger reasons at play. And then down here in the, the really great write-up, um, the visible people write, um, most people blame homelessness on the person experiencing it instead of on the shortage of affordable housing, gainful employment, living wages, childhood trauma, or countless other reasons that put a person at risk. This lack of understanding creates a dangerous cycle of mis 
uh, perception that leads to the inability to effectively address the root causes of homelessness and poverty as public sentiment affects public policy. Okay, do you understand? People are just like loser. And so then in a democracy, public sentiment affects public policy. You know, Um, it goes on to say some people hold on to the false belief that homelessness is a result of a person's bad choices. Chad's never had a chance to be a child or an adult. He's never had a job. Chad doesn't even own a pair of shoes. No one is going to hire Chad. There's a very good chance that Chad will spend the rest of his life homeless, dying outside at some point. Okay. So at what point can you say, all right, Chad is the culmination of a cyclone of, of um, torment and devastation, you know? that he has he's never had a shot to do anything else and he doesn't see any hope of doing anything else he doesn't have shoes and incidentally then i watched another video of a uh uh from a homeless people about a guy that um is his name is Luke. He lives on Skid Row in Los Angeles. And we come right back to the shoe situation. And Luke points out that he, for the life of him, cannot keep a pair of shoes. He said he can have the most ratty, unusable, holy, ruined shoes, and someone will steal them. And he's like, I do not have a pair of shoes right now. He's like, my shoes are constantly being stolen. So can you understand how it might be challenging to get a job anywhere when you can't keep a hold of your shoes? Okay. And I forget which one of these guys said like the, 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 the invisible people guy, like it gives socks, which is nice. But one of them just gave him back. He's like, why would I wear socks when I don't have shoes? I, they're just going to get ruined. I'm just going to wear, I'm just going to wear, go barefoot because socks without shoes are just, I don't know, foot blankets or something that you can't, you need the shoe part. Socks don't work without shoes. You see what I'm saying? So can you understand? And then like, they don't have identification. So, you know, because it gets stolen over and over and over again and their phones get stolen over and over and over again and so as they try to you know they're like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get a pair of shoes you know what i'm gonna do i have a little bit of money i'm gonna get a phone for this month so you go you you move up the ladder just a little bit and bam it's stolen from you because you know why because the guy right next to you doesn't have that stuff And it's easier to steal it from you than to go get it. 
So then you're like, screw it. I'm not getting a phone. I'm not getting an ID. I'm not getting shoes. I'm not getting socks because I can't climb out of this hole because people keep throwing me back down in it. You see, do you understand the difficulty of homelessness in America? Now, I get a little sick of people in suits saying the problem is complicated. 100% the problem is not complicated. Luke over here on Skid Row talks about how um, if he goes out panhandling, he comes back to his little spot on Skid Row and uh, he's extorted. He said he moved off of Skid Row. Because people in his neighborhood of Skid Row shake him down every time he comes back with money. And this is because it's an unsanctioned camp. There is no, like, they're making, like, street rules, which is a lawless world, okay? We must create environments that have rules. Okay. If, and I don't know about Skid Row. I gotta, I really, maybe they have this, but I know that they don't have it in Akron. And so I wouldn't be all surprised they wouldn't have it in Skid Row because what happens is people in suits and homeless people just look around and they're like, well, who's going to decide who's in charge? Who's going to decide? You know, who's going to decide the police? The police are going to be like this section right here is a rule-based section. Who wants to be in it? There's going to be 20 people in this section. You're going to make the rules and you're going to vote on who's your security and uh, uh, who oversees security. And me as your local police officer will back you up. Doesn't matter what the rules are. They're going to make really interesting rules. Okay. And I guarantee the number one rule is no stealing. No stealing. That alone is going to change their life. All right. You create a pocket, maybe you put a fence around it where people, where these homeless people have rules backed up by the local police officer that is on homeless duty that supports the uh, community's security people who don't have weapons, by the way, there's no weapons allowed, of course. Um, You will have a waiting list for that homeless encampment because Homeless people do not want to live in lawless Lord of the Flies hell holes. They don't. Okay. They don't want to be afraid for their lives. They don't want to be afraid for their possessions. Now, you're going to have to decide about drugs. Now, if you have a really puritanical community like Akron and you're like, well, they can't do drugs. Fine. Fine. 
we'll we'll make a camp that is drug free and alcohol free and we can do whatever you want. You want to uh this will be like the neighborhood because you know these midwesterners are so condescending hypocritical assholes that they're like, "Well, did you see their needles? Did you see their needles? Did I see you in blocking traffic trying to get into Starbucks asshole?" You're as much a drug addict as all of them, but because you drive in a Volkswagen, you can't even afford a BMW because you live in Akron, Ohio. You think you're holier than thou. You're jacking that 500 milligrams of caffeine and that venti super dark roast bullshit. Fuck you. Am I allowed to swear on this show? I haven't. I imagine somebody will tell me anyways. I, I hate that. I hate that. It it, it, it drives me insane that these judgmental pricks are like, well, um, you know, meth is a terrible drug. Yeah, well, stop giving it to your kids when you call it Adderall. It's the same chemical compound. You're giving it to your kids, asshole. Well, they shouldn't be shooting up um, fentanyl. Well, tell your doctor to stop handing it out to people and maybe they'll stop getting hooked on it. God, I hate you fucking judgmental assholes. That would be, if I was Jesus, that would be my opening line. Fuck you, you judgmental assholes. That would be great. And then they would hang me and then it would be over. But it would be fun. I would feel, I would feel justified. I got to get a shirt that says, fuck you, you judgmental assholes. (laughs) Am I allowed to swear? I guess I'm just going to swear and then we'll find out. I'm trying not to swear. It hurts your little puritanical ears. Not the fact that people are getting their heads bashed in on the streets of Los Angeles because they have no home. But I say the word fuck and you can't handle it. (laughs) I mean, we're killing people all over the world in America. But I, I say asshole and you're like oh my god oh my god oh he's using the lord's word name in vain shut up you know we're the most christian nation and we have like what did i say i wrote it down did i write it down here where did i we have like we're so militaristic so militaristic i didn't write it down here anyways it does i mean like we're assholes okay america Can you just accept the fact that we're assholes? We're assholes to the whole world. We're assholes to African-Americans, our own population, homeless people, women, poor children. We are assholes. I feel like I'm amping up the volume a little bit. I'm just going to turn it down just a touch. Um, We're assholes condescending, hypocritical Christian assholes, the most Christian nation in the world, and we treat people this way. No wonder nobody wants to be Christian. Look at how we act. Look how we act. We're the most Christian country in the world, and yet we are the world's greatest military power with 5% of the world's population. We account for about half of the world's military spending. We have over 700 military bases in about 130 countries. Okay? How about this? The United United States Air Force is the most powerful air force in the world. 
probably not surprising. But what might be surprising is the second most powerful air force in the world is the United States Navy. We have the two top most powerful air forces in the world. Are we going to go to war with each other? Air Force versus Navy? I'd sign up. I'd watch. That would be great. What kind of pay-per-view would I spend on that? A lot. That would be amazing. Anyways, it comes down to Americans being assholes, doesn't it? And, and, and hypocritical assholes because we're the most Christian country in the world. What does it mean to be Christian? You read the book that you're like, oh, no, it's John 3.13. What does that say? John 3.16? I don't know. You read a book. Uh, yeah, yeah, 3.16. This is the one everybody likes to fucking push around. Uh, John 3.16 is one of the most widely quoted verses from the Bible. It's been called the most famous Bible verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever Whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life for God so loved the world that you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, this is what ev uh, evangelicals um, and uh, the inerrancy people of the Bible tell you, like, all you got to do is believe this and you're good. You don't have to believe anything Jesus did or even anything else Jesus said. Just believe John 3.16 and you're good. And that is how we end up being assholes. John 3.16 turns you into assholes. Because you don't need to do anything else. You don't have to do anything else. So, of course, you can let homeless people die terrible existences on the street. Of course, you can have incredible military destroying countries all around the world. You can do anything you want because you got through John 3.16. Whoever so believed in him. I believe in Jesus. Praise Jesus. Now go fuck everybody else. That might as well be what it says. I believe in Jesus, so fuck you. I got mine. That's what John 3.16 says. I got mine. Who wants to believe in that? Except people that just want to get theirs. It's the most ruinous um, 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 distortion of in the history of Christianity, John 3.16. And obviously, like if you believe in Jesus, do you think maybe Jesus is sending you or God is sending you a message? Like, hey, man, have you seen a guy named Luke in Los Angeles who uh, he even looks like I wish you could see it. He's got a bicycle tire behind his um, head. I don't know. He's, he's sitting on a corner and there's a bicycle behind him and the bicycle has like a white wall tire on it. And I swear to God, it looks like a halo. This guy looks like Jesus. 
Okay. Have you ever heard of this little one? Uh, let's see. What is it? For the, you do the least of us you've done to me. I'll start. You did the least of them to us. You did to me. Google know what I'm talking about. Uh, I truly tell you, this is Matthew 25, 40. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Which is more important, Luke 25, 14 or John 3, 16? Matthew 25, 40 isn't the most popular one. You know why? Because it's problematic. Because if I just can believe in John 3, 16, I can give a big fuck you to everybody else because I got mine. I'm going to heaven, bitch. Literally, you can say that. I believe in God. I believe uh, I believe in Jesus Christ. Praise Jesus Christ. Fuck all of you all. You can rot in fucking hell. I don't care what the fuck happens to you. Matthew 25, 40 has got a little bit to say about that. Whoever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And now you have a conundrum because I told you about Luke on the August 10th, 2018 Invisible People uh, uh, YouTube, which, by the way, there's hundreds of these. What are you going to do? Which kind of Christian do you want to be? You want to be the I got mine Christian? Or do you want to be the guy that is like, holy crap, this isn't right. I know the kind of Christian I want to be. I don't care what happens to me after this. It's not my concern. It is not my concern if God is judging me. By the way, fuck you, God. Uh, <laughs> stay the fuck out of my life. Have you seen it down here? It's chaos. It's like Sim City. People are literally pissing on the corners of the streets and houses are falling down. Get down here and like press some buttons for God's sake. You like a, you made a goddamn aquarium and you never clean out the bowl. There's fucking garbage all over the place. Get down here and clean up some shit. The fucking sky is melting and God's not doing anything. He's the worst Sim City owner ever. The worst. <laughs> I take care of my Sims better than God. Jesus. It's not my problem what God thinks of me. I don't give a fuck what God thinks of me. All I want to do is be true to God. Because I don't believe in that whole God is watching, touching everything and, you know, making things happen. Why does God kill? Why does God kill uh, uh, innocent children with cancer? God didn't do that. Just shut up. Just shut up. He started a, he started a, an aquarium. He started an aquarium and he wants to see how we do. He's like, look, I gave you everything. Now look, you fix it. You fix it. I'm not coming down there and fixing your mess. And yes, you could go extinct. Okay. I'm teaching you things. Some people believe that we're just in a cycle of reincarnation where we are getting better and better and better and better until we finally become gods. 
that we live all the lives until we have learned the lessons. And then we, when we become part of, you know, like the, the God community, I like that idea that we're all learning. I do seem to believe that there are people at different levels of, uh, maturity, social maturity. And I got to say the evangelicals, uh, pretty immature socially. A lot of them, not all of them. Some of them are incredible. Some of them are the most mature people I've ever met socially, but I would say that's not most of them. Um, I, that's what I think. I think we're here to learn something. I think we're here to figure out how to get along that it is a Petri dish that we are trying to clean up and make effective. Okay. All right. How can you look at a man like Luke who can't keep a fucking pair of shoes and you just go on with your life? I got my own problems. I got my own problems. Okay. Yeah, me too. But you know what? I got an hour, hour to yell at you. <laughs> I found, I carved out an hour to yell at you, didn't I? Maybe you could go and talk to Luke. There's homeless people all over the place. You don't have to bring them food. You don't have to bring them supplies. You just have to go and be their friend. It costs no money. No money. Because understanding is the first step to salvation. Okay? Do you get it? But you walking by homeless people with your head down and ignoring them is regressive. You become the evil, not them. When you fail to acknowledge the true problems of your own community, you are failing God. You are failing the human experiment. It's you, not Luke. Not this guy on the street. Luke's doing exactly what Luke should be doing. Suffering on a street without shoes. You know why he doesn't have shoes? Because we aren't helping Luke. We sit around in, 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 in meetings in fancy, stupid hotel conference rooms and be like, it's complicated. Homeless condition is complicated. It's not. It's not complicated. You create a sanctioned community where Luke can go and not get his shoes stolen. And if Luke gets his shoes stolen, there's cameras on that shit. And the guy that got them stolen is out. He's out. You're going to clean up uh, thievery in a, in a sanctioned homeless camp overnight. And if you don't want drugs because you're some sort of condescending, self-righteous Christian, fine. I'll do drug tests. I'll do random tent searches. And I will only allow people in the camp that are drug-free, alcohol-free. I can do whatever you want. If that's the only people you give a crap about, not that you understand a goddamn thing about addiction. Jesus Christ. Everything you think is a choice. They chose to be homeless. They chose to be addicted. Meanwhile, you don't know one thing about either of those things. You just sit around and judge them, you hypocritical asshole. 
man, why am I so angry all the time? I think it's because I don't eat. I need to go eat maybe. I don't know. No, I'm just angry. I'm just angry. I'm angry because I'm sitting here looking at Luke. I'm sitting here looking at Luke and this guy is just, you can see the suffering pouring out of his eyes. You can see the suffering pouring out of his eyes. Okay. And this guy could be helped so easily. But instead, the people who are in charge of taking care of Luke sit around with fancy suits on and say shit like it's complicated. And we just ignore him. How many people walk by Luke every day, thousands, and never look at him? Thousands. It's the true test of God. It's the true test. John 3.16 is not what it's about. It's Matthew 25.40, okay? You love God and you change the world. That's it. That's all it ever was. You love God and you change the world. Does not matter what magic words you say or how righteous you feel because you're like, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Jesus is so great. Jesus is great. Fuck all you other people that don't love Jesus. Because that's what you're saying. You're saying literally that they can't, they can't have a relationship with Jesus or God because they haven't said your 316 words. Don't you see how basic and immature that is? And don't you also see how that's ruining Christianity because you're making it some exclusive moose club, the moose, basically. Why don't you just start putting up your hands like antlers as you walk around and wave your little antlers at each other? Because that's all it is. It's some stupid private club that you have convinced people that that's the only way you can get out into God is just talk to God is through that. And other people are like, well, fuck God. I mean, who wouldn't, who wants to believe in that kind of, uh, simple myopic, like omnipotent being, I mean, God in that scenario is so jealous, so tiny, so little, so jealous. Did I mention jealous? Why does he need to be jealous? What's he jealous of? There's another God out there that he's like, well, yeah, you can't listen to those gods. Those gods suck because then you're rubber. Then he's just saying, well, yeah, those other gods are real. He has nothing to me. And why are we calling him? He, I'm even falling into the trap. God, you got to call God. They, <sighs> all right. Have I yelled at you enough? Have I yelled at you enough? I had a whole show planned and I just spent 58 minutes yelling at you. Um, we got to take responsibility for our world. God is not here to clean up our mess, obviously, right? You've got to acknowledge that. God is not going to clean the carbon out of the atmosphere. God is not going to clean our, our plastic out of the oceans. We are here to do it. And that's why Matthew 25, 40 matters. And John three sixteen does not matter. Whatever you do for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And I'm talking dolphins, penguins, polar bears, and Luke, the homeless guy in Los Angeles. All right, everybody. I love you. I'll see you next week. Plus, of course, get thrown off the air for swearing, but whatever. You get the feeling. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide.